Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. We are It's time, it's time for the Rip City Drive. Rip City. The Rip City Drive with Travis Demers and Chad Dewing. From your home of the Blazers, Rip City Radio. Good afternoon, a happy Thursday to you, the fourth day of May 2017. Chad, this theme song is kind of fitting right now. We've got a busy day. Yes, at 5 o'clock, we're going to have a conversation with Chuck Wepner, the real-life inspiration for the movie Rocky, and this guy's story is unbelievable. He has gone the distance with Muhammad Ali. He had fights with Sonny Liston and with George Foreman, and of course... There's no movie like Rocky in my life. It means so much to me. So to get a chance to talk to Webner is going to be awesome. The movie Chuck will open up in theaters tomorrow. And we've got a couple of passes to give away for that screening as well. So stay tuned for that. You know what the only thing that could be better than all of that is? Probably cash money. Cold, hard cash. cash. We are giving you the sixth man a chance to win $1,000 right now. Text the word BANK, B-A-N-K, to 200-200, get a confirmation text. Standard message and data rates apply. That is bank to 200-200. I'm looking forward to today. Chuck Wepner, the inspiration for Rocky, is coming up at 5. We're going to talk with A.C. Green, former Beaver and three-time NBA champ. He's coming up at 4.15. And the GOAT, <laughs> Brad Evans of Yahoo Fantasy Sports, talking some football post-draft in about 10 minutes. Excited for that. Can't get enough draft talk, chat. But I want to start today with a tweet from Damian Lillard. And there was a conversation going back and forth with you know him and uh, a bunch of other people. But basically, what he said is what matters. The rest of it doesn't matter. His tweet said, and I quote, I'm willing to not win it if I can't build it where I am. He's basically saying, I would rather never win a championship than leave Portland and win a championship somewhere else. And this came after there were several people on Twitter who were encouraging him to get out of Portland, saying, hey, bro, you got to get out of Portland. You got to get to a different city. You know, they're probably, you know, trying to push him towards a bigger market, not understanding the greatness, which is Portland and the wonderful love affair between the city and the franchise. So let me think about this. Damian Lillard is willing to go his career without winning a championship if he can't win it here and build it. when I read that, I honestly, Travis, and it might have been my my fanboy side, but I, I did a little fist pump. And the reason why for me, in a day and age where we have the superpower and we see two of those teams right now in the Cavs and the Warriors, we see a lot of guys looking to join forces together in other cities. It happened in Miami with LeBron. We see it with Kevin Durant and the Warriors. For Dame to come out and say this, it's like the anti-LeBron, the anti-Kevin Durant move where he's saying, look, I'm a Portland Trailblazer. That's the team that drafted me, and I want to do it with my guys. For me, and again, I'm a little bit older. I started watching basketball in a different era. So 
I find these superpowers to be a little unsavory. I understand why players do it. They have free agency. They have the flexibility to do that. That's fine. But for Damian Lillard to say that, what it tells me is he's clearly smart, Trav, understanding the town in which he lives in and which he plays in. We're Portland. We like our own. We like local. And for Dame to come out and say that, it just shows me, once again, another level of leadership that he really gets it. Very impressive. Look, my my first thought was, do I actually believe this? Because we've heard lots of players and coaches say, this is my home. I never want to leave here. I am not going to go coach Arkansas. I am the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. All kinds of stuff. Who was that that. Nick Saban that said, how many times do I have to tell you, I'm not going to be the head coach of Alabama. And like a week later, he was the head coach of Alabama. Exactly. (laughs) We've heard it way too many times from way too many players and coaches. But the question about Damian Lillard, do you believe it? And I I do, but at the same time, you have to take it with a grain of salt. You have to take everything that's said publicly with a grain of salt. But do you believe it? And I do believe it. And the reason why I believe it is because he doesn't think like LeBron James. He doesn't think like Kevin Durant. He's not won anything yet, right? He's 26 years old. He is a very, very loyal loyal guy he understands the privilege of being drafted from where he was the hardships that he had to go through to get drafted in the nba and he believes that management has his back he believes that ownership has his back that his teammates have his back we don't know how things are going to be in three or four years from now or in 2021 when his contract is up but what he's basically saying is Unless the Blazers front office completely screws this thing up in the next four years, I'm not going anywhere because he doesn't want to be traded, but he's not going to sign anywhere else because he, excuse me, he feels like he has the support of his front office in terms of the fact that they're going to do everything that they can to help put a championship team around him. And that's what you need. You want to feel like even if you're not there right now, that management is going to do everything in their power to help you win. And if they do that, I don't see him going anywhere. This goes back to one thing that I did not understand throughout the course of the season, Travis, and that was the frustration with Damian Lillard. People got on him, not everybody, but there were a number of fans who were critical of his play at times, didn't like some of the hero ball maneuvers. And yet all I've seen now is a guy who has come in, This year, in particular, he was a great leader, the same voice in the locker room from start until finish. Once he was healthy after the All-Star break, he talked big game, and he went out there and backed it up. And more importantly, showed leadership by embracing Yusuf Nurkic and making sure that he felt comfortable in his new role uh, with the Portland Trailblazers. He's elevated his leadership. This is his team now, and he continues to get better as a basketball player. Yes, he needs to improve defensively, but... I think this is everything you want in your franchise player, everything you want in your leader. And if I'm a Portland Trailblazer fan, I'm thinking, man, that's exactly what I want to hear from my guy. But I agree with you. Today is one thing. Four years from now, if this team is in the basement and just a disaster, it will probably, he'll probably look at the situation a lot differently. But I'm happy to know that he's not looking to leave or looking for the uh, quick ticket out of town so we can go and join forces elsewhere to win a championship or chase rings. When this team was 10 games under 500, fans were pissed. They were emotional. They were upset because this wasn't just a team that was supposed to 
well, they're supposed to go to the playoffs this year. That's that's good. No, this was supposed to be a team that was going to finish in the top four, that was going to have a legitimate chance to move on to the second round, and then who knows what happens from there if you're not playing the Golden State Warriors in the second round. Well, they didn't. They played them in the first. But when you're sitting there 10 games under 500 with all of these expectations and your team is embarrassingly bad on defense, fans are upset because the expectations were there. If we thought this was going to be a 30-win team and they were a 25-win team, Okay, you still suck either way. It's not that big of a deal. But when you expect something great and it's not there, that's when people get really upset, and deservedly so. So they tried to find someone to blame. During that stretch, Damien wasn't playing particularly well. He was beat up. He was injured. CJ had some really good games. So naturally, the guy that is supposed to be the one who's getting all the credit is going to get all the blame. So I, I see where that came from. I didn't agree with it at the time. But I see where that came from. This is a guy who doesn't want to go anywhere. And when you have a superstar caliber player or a guy who can be a superstar caliber player, he's made one all-star game. He's not a perennial all-star yet. That's the guy when he says, this is where I want to be. I'd rather not win at all than win somewhere else. You've got to do everything you can to make sure he's happy. Yes, and that's why I'm glad that Paul Allen is the uh, owner of the Blazers. He's got the resources and the desire to win. So I know he'll go out of his way to make sure that Dame is happy. But the reason why I think these words are so critical, and we know this, it's always going to be easier for the big market teams like the Lakers, the Warriors, the Celtics, the Knicks, all the big market teams that we know in the NBA that have been successful over the course of time. They're always going to have an easier time drawing big-name free agents. It can be done in Portland, but it is more of a challenge. So in order to win a championship, In a small market like Portland or Utah or Milwaukee, you have to draft well and you have to occasionally strike it rich in the draft. And you've got to be able to keep those players here if you want to have a chance to compete. The Blazers did that a few years ago with Roy, Aldridge, and Odin, but injuries derailed that strike it rich in the draft situation there. Now they've done it again with Damon CJ, two great pieces to have on a championship team. In order for Portland to be able to contend at some point for a title, They have to strike it rich in the draft, but those guys have to stay here. So the fact that Dame is saying that, and one thing I know about Dame, and I really believe this, because he's a willing passer, because of the way that he welcomes in his teammates and the way that he lowers himself and he's willing to take a backseat to CJ and other guys that they've got it going on a particular night, I think that Dame is the type of guy that other players will want to play with. So if he continues to play well and continues to lead the way he is right now, I think at some point there are other guys who right now may not, but may want to come over and play with Lillard because he will make you better and he'll share the spotlight with you. It's part of what makes him a unique basketball player. And it goes back to what you said, where he came from is a big deal to him. He played four years in college. He's not like some of the other guys in the NBA. So I think that's critical. And for me as a Blazer fan, when I hear that and I see that from Dame, I'm just like, yes, that's what I want from my guy. Robert tweets in, he says, if we surround Dame with talent like the Celtics did Isaiah Thomas, I think we can make a few good runs. It it, it depends on what your definition of a few good runs is. Is a few good runs getting to a Western Conference Finals and winning a couple of playoff series? Absolutely. I agree with that for a few years. So there are some things that you can do to get to that point in the near future. It's getting past the Warriors That's that next big, big, big hurdle. No question. We've got a lot to get to. One of our favorites, Brad the Goat Evans, is going to join us coming up next. 
Chad will try not to milk him on the air. We'll wait till after the show for that. No, no, I'm going on air. I'm going all out. I want some goat milk today in the form of NFL knowledge bombs. <laughs> exactly. We will talk to the goat coming up next. You've got the Rip City Drive with Travis <laughs> and Chad on your home of the Blazers. Rip City Radio. The Rip City Drive with Travis and Chad. You want to take a shower? No. No, I meant if you want to go first. Or not. <laughs> <laughs> you, you thought I would. No, no, I would. Back to the show with Travis and Chad on Rip City Radio. All right, 319 to Rip City Drive with Travis and Chad here on your home of the Blazers, Rip City Radio. The real-life inspiration for Rocky, Chuck Wepner, is going to join us at 5. But you know what? We here on the Rip City Drive, we love farm animals and we love football. <laughs> So it's time to talk to the one and only goat. He's on Twitter at Yahoo Noise. He is from Yahoo Fantasy Sports. The one and only goat, Brad Evans. What's up, goat? Milk me! Yeah! <laughs> you know it's coming, baby. Football is right around the corner. So let's start with the draft. What were your thoughts on what went down with the Chicago Bears? Oh God, we, you're going to kick off the segment <laughs> with that. That's you're a Bears fan. Nugget. I am a Bears fan, and I, if you watched our show, we did a, an NFL Draft Live program uh, from our beautiful studios in Manhattan. <laughs> and I was on Fantasy Island. I was dressed in a Hawaiian shirt, had like a pineapple T-shirt on. I was drinking adult beverages, and I nearly barfed. I nearly yacked on the island, the the makeshift paradise that Brandon Funston and I were in when that selection was made, and that was true emotion coming out, pouring out of my veins, pouring out of every porous in my body. Uh, I was disgusted. Uh, I was upset. And I think Ryan Pace, uh, you know, should be kicked out of Chicago on the nearest, fastest train immediately. See, to me, it's not even just Trubisky. That was bad enough on its own. And then you go get a D2 tight end. Then you get a safety right. who is, you know, who's had plenty of injury issues. You get a, a, a raw fifth-round Division II guard and then a little 5'7 running back from North Carolina A&T. That's one of the worst drafts I've ever seen. This is why I drink, gentlemen. <laughs> This, this, I mean, the administration there in Chicago, uh, they are complete imbeciles. And when we're hearing reports that there is a, a stark division between John Fox, the coaching staff, and Ryan Pace in the front office and decision makers there, it's the new dysfunction junction right there in the Midwest. I mean, it's just it, it's completely asinine uh, what the organization has done. It was one of the worst drafts. It has to be the worst draft of any team in the entire league. We're talking with the GOAT, Brad Evans from Yahoo Fantasy Sports. GOAT, let's stick with quarterbacks. What about the Texans' effort to move up and get Deshaun Watson? What do you think about the pick, and what do you think he might be in year one? Well, I think he's going to be a serviceable quarterback in year one. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I mean, Tom Savage is certainly not the answer. The one thing I love about Deshaun Watts, a couple things. Number one, he's a very accurate passer in the short to intermediate field. He ranked inside the top uh, 15 in college football all of last season in completion percentage between 1 and 30 yards. Now, the deep ball touch uh, is a work in progress. It flutters at times, uh, you know, out of his hand beyond 35, 40 yards. And Mike Williams made him look really good on a number of overthrows and underthrows as we saw in the national title game down the stretch. But he's got uh, the composure guy is cool as a cucumber in the pocket. Uh, He's a guy that can make plays with his legs. And again, that short to intermediate accuracy with a quarterback whisperer there too, as well. And Bill O'Brien and one of the premier wide receivers in the league and DeAndre Hopkins, who will resurrect his career very quickly with a guy like Watson. I think he's going to start day one, and I wouldn't be surprised if he toes the line of around 25 combined touchdowns, though the INTs could be an issue that was problematic at times for him at Clemson. Well, the Texans are used to that, aren't they? <laughs> uh, most definitely. I mean, the Brock Lobster, I mean, that's what he was doing on a regular basis. I've never heard that before, the Brock Lobster. I like that. I got to give credit where credit is due. The fantastic, the splendid, the delightful Katie Nolan came up with that. Oh, no kidding. You know, speaking of of that pick and and with who they traded it for, with with, with Brock Osweiler and Cleveland Browns, Cleveland needed a quarterback, right? So they had that pick at 12 where Deshaun Watson gets drafted, and they drafted a Deshaun. They just drafted the wrong one, a guy who has terrible mechanics how does that make sense in the second round? Well, it doesn't make a ton of sense. And they were the ones that were angling to try to trade it for Trubisky. But the Bears trumped them. The, ba- the Bears them did them a favor. Yeah, they did. They absolutely did. The Bears, the ones that threw themselves on the grenade and said, we will sacrifice ourselves for you, Cleveland. Uh, and I still think Cody Kessler is getting a raw deal. You know, Deshaun Kaiser is a project. Uh, he is not going to start uh, day one. He's a guy that I think will be lucky to start by midseason. And Cody Kessler was, I would say, slightly above average last season when he was upright. I mean, he got blasted on a regular basis, got his bell rung. Um, you know, repeatedly a season ago, he had a rib issue. Uh, but, you know, he stands tall in the pocket. He will absorb that contact. He had a very good pol- uh, completion percentage under pressure. Uh, pretty good in the short to intermediate field as well. I honestly think that's not only their quarterback of the future, but the quarterback of the present. And nobody's going to be talking about Deshaun Kaiser. They may be talking about Cody Kessler there in the uh, factory of sadness. We're talking with the GOAT, Brad Evans from Yahoo Fantasy Sports. Uh, the 49ers, the last couple of years have been a complete disaster under Jed York. We understand that. But now they've got new leadership with John Lynch yep. and, of course, Kyle Shanahan. What do you think about their efforts to destroy the Bears and, in the uh, process, pick up Solomon Thomas and Reuben Foster? Uh, brilliant moves. Uh, I mean, if if you had to grade this draft, I think Cleveland did a pretty damn good job. Yes. But I would say that if it's 1A and 1B, San Francisco's that 1B. I really do. I, I thought John Lynch... 
uh, and his you know rookie campaign, if you will, as as GM, a guy that's you know still kind of cutting his teeth, but. You know, he learned under John Elway. He was aggressive. Uh, the fact that the Bears picked up the phone and, you know, and said, yeah, we want to make this deal. That's a great deal. I, I, that's a bargain. We're, we're robbing you blind, John, in their own minds. And what a coup. Uh, that's all I got to say. The fact that they get Foster as he slipped and then you grab Solomon Thomas. I think this team could turn around very quickly. Uh, you know, are they going to win five games this year? You know, if I'm a betting man, I would say that's probably a realistic number. Anything north of that, that's uh, a cherry on top of the Sunday. Anything south of that uh, is not out of the realm of possibility. But Brian Hoyer is a respectable starter. He actually put up some really good completion rates in Chicago before uh, exiting stage left with a forearm injury last year. They bring in oh, Pierre Garçon, good p- uh, possession receiver there. Uh, Joe Williams uh, in the draft to back up Carlos high. Cause we know his injury downsides there. Uh, but you know, Joe Williams could maybe be the Tevin Coleman in this offense, the offensive line, you know, that needs to get resurrected very quickly, but still, I, I think, you know, they're headed in the right direction and, you know, two to three years down the road, uh, the Niners could be vying for a division title while my bears will be drunk off their asses in the basement of the NFC North. Well, they've, they'll be there for a while. So you can go have fun with that. Sorry. Great. Yeah. Uh, one of the picks that I loved in the first round that I don't think getting a ton of play is Charles Harris uh, to the Miami Dolphins, a versatile guy who can be a, a stand-up pass rusher. And with, with him and, you know, adding the other guys they did with uh, Raekwon McMillan to, you know, Cameron Wake and Kiko Alonzo on that defense, just how, how much better can that defense be this year? Well, I think they could certainly be a top 10 unit across the board. Uh, the talent is uh, is uh, definitely there on paper. I mean, you have to overload on defense if you're in the same division as uh, New England. And you look at the Patriots, and they just have reloaded, right? It it, they didn't have to do anything in the draft. They could have forfeited every single pick imaginable, and they're still loaded at every position conceivably from top to bottom. Like, who, who's going to run the ball for them? So you bring in Mike Gillisley to fill the Laguerre Blunt role, and then you have a three headed monster where you have Rex Burkhead who's a very underrated asset, a guy that can do a little bit of everything. They pluck him away from Cincinnati to go along with James White, who should have won the MVP in the Super Bowl, uh, and Deion Lewis, who was electric a couple of seasons ago in his seven games when he was on the field. Uh, and to go along with Julian Edelman, to go along with Brandon Cooks, who they acquired via trade in the offseason. Uh, Malcolm Mitchell as well there, who I think is going to make strides. Oh, yeah, they got this guy named Gronk <laughs> along with Dwayne Allen. I mean, they're going to average like 30 points a game. So, you know, teams like Miami and Buffalo and the Jets don't even count because they, they couldn't <laughs> even beat Savannah State right now. Oh. That that division is just uh, it's sick uh, in terms of what New England's bringing to the table, and it's a sick feeling that the defenders are having right now, knowing the tall task they're going to have to have to try to contain New England twice a year. Well, you know, go Travis and I were talking about this yesterday. We know New England is the clear number one right now in the AFC, but what team do you think has put themselves in a position to challenge them in the conference? Uh, in the conference, uh, you know, I think Denver is interesting. Uh, you know, the quarterback situation is very much in flux. Uh, but, you know, and I don't care about this Jamal Charles nonsense. You know, the, the, you know, I live here doing you're a Broncos guy. Uh, but everybody and their grandmother saying, oh, God, Super Bowl. 
Forget New England, just lay down and die right now. It's over because we got Jamal Charles. You got a guy with two busted knees who didn't do jack squat coming off that second surgery last season in Kansas City. They signed into a 900K one-year deal with incentives up to $3.75 million for a friggin' reason. Because he may not even make the team out of camp because he may be in a wheelchair by week one. So uh, you got to slow your roll right now. The Jamal Charles is going to be a difference maker. But I still like, you know, Carlos Henderson, a guy that can play the slot, gets a ton of yards after contact. He's a guy they desperately needed to plug in there with his athleticism. I think he'll be an impact uh, player right out of the gate. I love D'Angelo Henderson, a little mighty might who's built like a gun safe with feet. Uh, kid out of Coastal Carolina. Uh, you know, that uh, is, is five foot seven, 210 pounds and runs a sub four, five, 40 yard dash at depth in that backfield uh, to go along with Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders and arguably the best defense in football. That's a team along with the Oakland Raiders as well uh, that I think are the, you know, probably the stiffest challengers to the New England Patriots. Speaking of the Raiders, I, I wasn't sure if you were talking about Jamal Charles or Marshawn Lynch. I don't think this is a great signing. Because there's a reason why he retired. It wasn't just the injuries. The seven games he played a couple of years ago, he didn't play all that well. How do you see that impact? Oh, I disagree. Uh, the secondary metrics actually would say the contrary. He played extraordinarily well. Uh, you know, you look at the offensive line for Seattle in his last season there. It was subpar uh, in terms of run blocking, but in terms of the yak, the yards after contact, it was very strong. Uh, it was actually number, I believe it was number three in tackles avoided per attempt among rushers with at least 75 attempts. So he was making guys miss. He was gaining the extra yards after initial contact the year off to heal up the back. I think it's a brilliant move. I really mm. do. And look, Latavius Murray uh, basically fell forward in the end zone 12 times last year because he only put up like 750 rushing yards. I would say Marshawn Lynch is going to go for at least 1,000 combined, probably around 1,100 combined, and will score double-digit touchdowns, and that's all the Raiders want him to do. That's all they need him to do with Derek Carr, Amari Cooper, Michael Crabtree there in company. We're talking with the GOAT, Brad Evans of Yahoo Fantasy Sports. Now, GOAT, you've got some great stuff out. You've got your uh, fantasy football mock drafts going around. I want to ask you and maybe for the listeners to keep an eye on who are two rookies that you would look at as, you know, potential guys to look at in your draft that's coming up uh, in a couple of months? Well, Leonard Fournette's the obvious one. And, you know, if there's a guy that's going to be anywhere remotely close to what Zeke Elliott was last year, it's going to be Fournette. Now, obviously, it's night and day by comparison with the offensive lines of the Dallas Cowboys and Jaguars. Uh, the Jags were number 27 in run blocking last season, according to football outsiders. But Fournette is a special talent. Uh, talk to scouts. Some people have compared him to Adrian Peterson, to Bo Jackson. Uh, kind of a throwback, uh, you know, smash mouth rusher. And you look at the situation there in Jacksonville. They made a lot of defensive upgrades. Tom Coughlin's now making the decisions. And he doesn't want Blake Bortles firing the gun very often. So they're going to be ball control, which means high volume, which means a lot of sex appeal for fantasy. Uh, I got Fournette down for 1,400 combined yards and seven to nine touchdowns this season. I think Christian McCaffrey is going to be a difference maker. Uh, you know, a guy that uh, brings a lot of speed that was desperately needed to a Carolina team can help out as a safety valve for a struggling Cam Newton coming off shoulder surgery. I got 1,100 combined yards, handful of touchdowns, run right around 60 catches for McCaffrey this season. And and digging a little bit deeper, Samaje Pirine 
will bring you golden uh, showers to your fantasy team, gentlemen. Oh, uh, yeah, you like that one. Um, because you look at Rob Kelly, undrafted kid, doesn't exactly move the meter. Uh, and Washington is just a great setup. Top 10 in run blocking last year. Prolific passing attack. A lot of weapons. And this guy gets a ton of yards after contact. A wrecking ball between the tackles. I think he'll be an RB2 in 12-team leagues right out of the gate. Who has a better rookie year, Corey Davis or Mike Williams? Definitely Corey Davis. Uh, I think Corey wow. Davis is going to step in and be a 71,000 handful touchdown contributor. Uh, I think uh, Marcus Mariota is going to be a top three. Yes, a top three. I realize it's tequila Thursday. And no, I'm not sipping on the love juice right now. <laughs> but he is going to be a top three fantasy asset uh, at the quarterback position this season. Uh, you know, Rashard Matthews is there, Delaney Walker, sure. But Davis can do everything. I don't see any weaknesses in his game. He'll be an instant impact player. The problem with Mike Williams, he's unpolished in his routes. Uh, he is an athletic guy. He's got the NFL body, but look at all the mouths to feed there, right? Tyrell Williams off a 1,000-yard season. Keenan Allen, now granted he would get injured jumping into a pool of plastic balls at Chuck E. Cheese. That's a guy that, when healthy, is going to command a lion's share of the targets. He's still got Antonio Gates there, Hunter Henry, and Melvin Gordon catches the ball in the backfield. So I think Mike Williams, the ceiling for him this season, 700 yards and maybe three to five touchdowns. He's from the best in fantasy sports, Yahoo Fantasy Sports, on Twitter, at Yahoo Noise, the one and only GOAT, Brad Evans. Now, Brad, just do me one favor. Will you please find Joe Ellis and tell him to get that deal with John Elway done, or I'm going to bust him in the kneecap? <laughs> uh, I will track him down in cold blood if necessary tonight in the greater Denver area. Your milk is as sweet as honey, my friend. <laughs> it makes fantastic cheese as well. I don't know if you knew this. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's exactly what I want on my burger. Mmm, tasty. <laughs> Thanks, Goat. Appreciate it, guys. Oh, Brad Evans, Yahoo Fantasy Sports. What do you think about his talk in regards to rookies and who he, who he thinks is going to perform? Would you agree with Fournette? You've been you've been talking that for the last few weeks. Yeah, I mean, part of it is is going to be by default. I mean, they don't have anybody else to run the football, so he's going to naturally step in and get a lot of touches. And if you're talking about you know strictly fantasy football, if he stays healthy. He's going to get a lot of touches. The more touches you get, the more yards you get, the more touchdowns you get in theory, right? So there's a reason why the Jaguars picked him at number four. It makes a ton of sense. They needed him. He's a good fit there. So I absolutely see that. I'm interested. I'm really interested, though, to see how John Ross is going to do because, he, again, you pick a guy in in that spot in the top ten, you're going to expect him to be maybe your number one guy, right? And You've got a number one guy. You've got one of the best receivers in the NFL and A.J. Green. So either John Ross's arrival is going to take defensive pressure away from A.J. Green and and make, give him a better season, or you're going to see things split. Either way, I think Andy Dalton, with a couple of good weapons and a good running back to throw to, is going to have a pretty prolific year. What was that name that he used for Brock Osweiler? Uh, Brock Lobster. <laughs> Ever little, since little B-52s. Gosh, I love this song because it just makes me want to, like, dance like a white guy. Brock Lobster. Brock Lobster. This might be one of the worst, most annoying, yet catchiest songs of all time. Am I weird for liking the B-52s? 
amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. No, I kind of do too. Don't Rock move it publicly. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> it's good dancing music. I love the point that you made with the Rock Bears lobster. too. Brock Lobster. I love what you brought up with the Bears too. It's not just Mitch Trubisky, but what they did after Trubisky was offensive. It, <laughs> it was horrible. What the flip were they doing in there? I have no idea, but they don't have geniuses in that football uh, operations office. I, I really can't imagine having a worse draft than that. Like, if you want to, since we were talking about fantasy football, you want to equate it to that. That's like, you know, trading up in your draft to draft Brian Hoyer with your first pick in a fantasy football draft. That That's what the Bears did in real life, drafting Mitch Trubisky. And then they drafted, you know, the... Uh, the kicker in the second round of their fantasy football draft. Th- that was one of the worst drafts. NBA, NFL, whatever sport, I don't care. WNBA. That was one of the worst drafts I've ever seen. Ryan Pace should have lost his job the very next day. Hell, he should have lost his job before they got to the second round. And then just, all right, well, let's just let's just compound this and see just how bad we can do. We want to find the best general manager out there because we want to put him out there on the mound with the bases loaded, nobody out, and a 3-0 and count and see if he can get out of it. Good luck whoever replaces Ryan Pace. Uh, you brought this up, I think it was yesterday. You showed me the sports Jeopardy or the Jeopardy <laughs> yeah. sports on Twitter. And I love this here. <laughs> This NFL team finally got rid of Jay Cutler and somehow managed to actually get worse. Yeah. Who is the Chicago Who Bears? Who is the Chicago Bears? That, that Jeopardy sports, uh, the, the, the fake Thank one, is, that's pretty darn funny. I needed that in my life. That was, wow. I can't believe he actually gave the Broncos a chance to challenge in the AFC. I need to see them on the field and at work. I love their defense, but question marks with the offense and, of course, who's going to start a quarterback. I think it will be Simeon. But it could be Paxton Lynch. We don't know. And a new head coach and new offensive staff. You, you think about all of the successful teams that Chicago has. The Blackhawks have won three Stanley Cups recently. The Cubs coming off their first World Series win since 1908. The White Sox, it's been a decade, but they snapped their streak. Hadn't won since 1917. You've got the Chicago Bulls, who it's been a while. It's been 20 years. Um, who am I missing? Uh, so the, I'm sure I'm missing somebody off the top of my head. But now you got the Bears, right? Yeah. Out of all of those teams, between the NBA, the NHL, the NFL, Major League Baseball, who is the worst chance of winning a title in the next half century? In football? Out of all of these Chicago teams. It's got to be the Bears. It's easily the Bears. 
I mean, they, they set their franchise back, which had already been set back. They probably set it back another five years. Yeah. So it's like, you know, it's like the guy who gets uh, in trouble in prison and gets another 10 years added to his 30-year sentence. <laughs> Like, well, I'm not going to live long enough to see that anyway, so I might as well just keep getting in trouble. Yeah. You're not going to live long enough to see the Bears win a championship. Big thanks to the GOAT, Brad Evans of Yahoo Fantasy Sports. I'll tell you what, the time is now for the Portland Trailblazers. We'll tell you what that means next when we go around the NBA. It's the Rip City Drive with Travis and Chad, 340 on your home of the Blazers, Rip City Radio. It's time to go around the NBA. Back to Westbrook, long angle at 20 of the three. The buzzer to King! A Thunder Money Ball! Travis and Chad get you up to speed on what's happening on and off the floor. From camp to the finals. Cleveland is a city of champions once again. The Cavaliers are NBA champions. Summer League. This has been a Vegas Summer League classic. The draft. The Portland Trailblazers select. And practice it's around the nba on the rip city drive brought to you by family chiropractic at northwest wellness center visit nwwellnesscenter.org all right it's 12 in front of the hour on a thursday afternoon it's thursday already beautiful day outside loving it let's get into the nba a little bit here chad as we go around the association uh the san antonio spurs last night got the victory as they took care of the houston rockets in game two tony parker out going to be out for the rest of the playoffs tore a quadriceps tendon it was kind of awkward looking but you look at this roster in the big picture lamarcus aldridge is making too much money pal gasol is gonna uh come back on his player option which is gonna pay him too much outside of Kawhi leonard this isn't a great roster yeah and that's the first thing that jumped out at me last night when i saw the injury to tony parker and i'm looking at the spurs and I'm thinking, you know what? They have Kawhi Leonard, and outside of that, they do not have star power. And I know for sure, after watching that game last night and hearing Greg Popovich say that LaMarcus Aldridge is working through some things right now, they regret giving him that max deal. That was a bad move by the Spurs, and it's costing them right now because in a series when they need him to step up, he hasn't done it. But here's the bigger issue with the Parker injury. He's done for the rest of the playoffs. We know that. And this could be the end of his career. But Parker's injury, it puts the Spurs in a really weird spot this offseason because they have no cap room to go after a guard. And Paul Gasol, like you mentioned, is going to opt in for $14 million. If the injury is deemed to be career-ending, the Spurs can't even apply for a career-ending injury salary cap relief until one year from the injury date. So I'm sitting there thinking in my mind, you look at the Warriors, you have to take them out of the equation. They're in a different category from everybody else in the West. But after that, the Spurs, the second-best team, they're not going to be as good next year. I don't see any way that that is possible. Then you've got the Rockets. You looked up their roster earlier. All of their key guys are coming back. So I expect the Rockets, with the way they shoot the three, with James Harden, they're going to be one of the contenders in the West. But after that, the time is now for the Blazers and Neil Olshay to go out. And if he can just make one significant upgrade to the roster— Find a wing, find a power forward. Then all of a sudden you've got Dame, CJ, and a franchise center in Yusuf Nurkic. The Blazers, with Nurkic for a full season, will be able to go out and I think win 50-plus games. And instead of worrying about playing the Warriors in the eighth seed, you get one of the top four seeds in the West. You avoid the Warriors early, and then you can make a run 
and make a serious case for why your team can make a Western Conference Finals appearance. Right, and you think about that. You know, the, the Rockets will be just as good probably as they were this year. Maybe take a slight step back, but the Clippers, who knows what's going to happen, probably blow that up. The Thunder are okay. The Jazz are a pretty good team. The Spurs right now, considering their roster, think about this. This is who is expected to be back next year. LaMarcus Aldridge, Kawhi Leonard, Pau Gasol, Tony Parker. Their contracts will all be on the books next year. And that is $75 million between those four players. The rest of your roster right now, Danny Green, uh, Dwayne Dedman, David Lee, Kyle Anderson, uh, DeJunte Murray, Davis Bertens, and Brian Forbes. That's their roster next year. That's the San Antonio Spurs roster. That's not a championship roster. That's not the Golden State Warriors. So I look at that, and I just see an opportunity now for the Blazers. And this goes back to Yusuf Nurkic and why it was so critical that they were able to acquire a franchise center in that trade with Denver. Now you look at next year. You saw how they played in the 20 games with Nurk. Over the course of a full season, the Blazers can be right there in the mix. And I'll tell you what, if you can't win a championship and get past the Warriors, I think we would all be satisfied with a deep run in the playoffs. And if they can make a run to the Western Conference Final for one of the youngest teams in the NBA, their first full season with Nurkic, you get Dame and CJ more experience, that would be a win situation. So please, Neil Olshay has got to go out and make something happen. One key move, and this team is going to take uh, a big step forward. And when you look at the rest of the West, it's not crazy. It's very doable for the Blazers. Again, if you avoid injuries and other types of uh, pitfalls that can come along, I think it's a very real possibility for the Blazers. And it just goes to show you how fragile everything is in the NBA. And even the Spurs, as good as they are, they made a mistake. That Aldridge signing was bad, and they're paying for it right now. Now you're saying it's a real possibility to get to the conference finals, not past that. No, you, because I can only assume. Well, I'm just, I'm just, I just wanted to clarify. Yes, to the Western Conference finals. You're not going to beat the Warriors. No, I, I, I agree with you. Houston right now, looking at it going into next year on paper, is the second-best team in the Western Conference. Yes. There's no reason the Blazers can't be in the mix for three, or even, who knows, two. We may be getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, Chad. But again, you've got a, a very good big three. See what you can do by unloading some of those contracts and add another good piece. You're not going to win a championship. You're not going to get to the finals. But a Western Conference final run is absolutely not out of the question. I live my whole life getting ahead of myself. I'm quite comfortable no. in that spot. I want a Western Conference finals run, and now is the time. Don't set yourself up too much for disappointment, Chad. It's okay. Hey, coming up next, Richard Sherman not getting dealt? Well, Pete Carroll talked about that earlier today. We'll play that for you coming up next. You've got the Rip City Drive with Travis and Chad on your home of the Blazers. Rip City Radio. It's time, it's time for the Rip City Drive. Rip City. The Rip City Drive with Travis Demers and Chad Dewing on your home of the Blazers, Rip City Radio. All right, 403, the Rip City Drive with Travis and Chad here on your home of the Blazers, Rip City Radio. You know what time it is, Trav? Air drum time. <laughs> you were nailing that. How about some cash time? Cash time. We're giving you. The sixth man, a chance to win a thousand bucks. Text win, W I N, right now to 200 200. That's win to 200 200. You will get a confirmation text, standard message, and data rate supply. That's win, W I N, to 200 200. Coming up at five. That's right. We're going to talk to the man who inspired the movie Rocky, Chuck Wepner. The uh, movie's going to open up in theaters tomorrow. Let's talk some football, Travis. 
Yes. And the NFL draft, as we know, has come and gone. And Richard Sherman is still a Seattle Seahawk. Will he be traded? And what about his relationship with the team? Pete Carroll was asked about the relationship and Richard Sherman. And what about a trade? He was on 710 ESPN Seattle today. I think it's the, as good as it's ever been. We've spent uh, really significant time working through the stuff that we wanted to talk about from last year. He was open and willing to talk about it. We also, there was conversation about, you know, that we were, as everybody in our, on our team is available to somebody who wants to come get them. And, and if they want to trade for them, and we don't want to trade guys. We, we want to keep our guys. But we have to, in, in, in uh, effort to try to always work to be better and help our team, we got to listen and all that. So we went through that process. Very open conversation about that. There was no animosity at all. Uh, really, we, I know uh, Sherman is really looking forward to getting back on the field, competing and, and battling. Really, want you know he's he's talked really clearly about that, you know, his focus going forward. He wants to really recapture the intensity that he's always brought, and, and he, he feels like he can do that. Um, really, he 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 adjusted some two or three years ago, um, and I think it's time for us to continue to, to, to dig into him and make sure that he's really at, at the height of his game intensity-wise. Um, that may worry you guys. It doesn't worry me at all. I love that thought, but also there's time for, to, you know, to make good decisions and good choices uh, in, in regards to supporting his teammates and his team and all that, and he, he's really on point. Uh, so I'm excited to see that, uh, you know, that element in, in our team this year coming back, and we need his experience and his playmaking and, and uh, any of that, talk, that trade talk stuff john did a great job of just letting you guys know what's going on and uh, we played it out and there was there was we, we did exactly what we needed to do we got him back playing for us is it over are the trade talks over yes that's phase in, in one respect it would be because it went up to draft time but you know people can always call you and there were some some people there were some conversations i don't think are going to change and i don't think that anybody could offer us anything that would make it worthwhile um at this point because there's no draft involved and all that kind of stuff I, I but that that really don't think that that's not that's always out there. You know, there's always opportunities to trade. And we, we would say that everybody's untouchable, but we always have to listen to what the opportunities as we always do to compete to make our team better. And so that's just part of the business. And it's not, a, it's not the smooth part of the business and, and, and uh, that everybody likes to talk about, but that's in there. But the likelihood is like 0%, it seems like. You know, teams don't want to give up stuff. They don't want to trade at times like this. And, and it's really hard to 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 navigate through a trade with a, with experienced players during draft time. It just doesn't happen very often. That's Pete Carroll on 710 ESPN in Seattle. So, Travis, you hear that. He's a Seahawk. It doesn't sound like he's going to be traded. What, what's your main takeaway from what Pete Carroll had to say? Well, my, my main takeaway from that is, again, talks happen, right? Yeah. And if you're asked point blank as a general manager, have you been talking about trading this guy and you want total transparency – and you've already had that transparency with the player, then you can say, yeah, you know what? Honestly, we we did talk about that. Doesn't mean that it's going to happen. I wouldn't trade him. I wouldn't trade him right now. The issues that we've heard about with the dissension in the locker room, still upset about Super Bowl 49, which is now three years ago. You got to get over that. Time to be a big boy. Time to you know put on your big boy pants and grow up and get over that. Otherwise, you have no chance of winning if you're still focusing on what happened three years ago. But if if they do decide to trade Richard Sherman, well, you didn't draft a corner that can replace him. You, you're you a worse team. You have a championship window right now, which as of right now is a year. Maybe it's two, maybe it's 
amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's three, but it is still one year right now. And in a year that you think you can compete, when you're really only getting about 4 or $5 million max of, of salary cap relief, which you don't need right now because you've already got your team put together, you're going to be a worse team if you trade Richard Sherman. It doesn't make sense to do it anytime between now and the start of the season. So, Travis, this is my big concern. You know, Pete Carroll talked about the conversations that he had with Richard Sherman. And I just hope that those conversations included the past, like you mentioned, Super Bowl 49. From the people you and I know who are close to the team, that situation where they had a chance to beat the Patriots but passed instead of giving it to Marshawn Lynch from the one-yard line, that's something that's caused a problem, and there's caused a division in the locker room. Richard Sherman is still upset about that. So yeah. can I assume that they talked about that and they're able to put that in the past? I agree. With Sherman, they are a better football team if and only if he is all in, that he is bought into the team concept and he's get, he's ready to put the past behind him because they don't need any more dissension or problems from the past. They've got to be able to move forward as a team. You said it best yourself yesterday. If you look at the NFC right now, Seattle is one of the top four teams in the conference that has a chance to go out and compete for an opportunity to play in the Super Bowl. So I just hope they're able to put that stuff behind him. If so, then good. Keep him and let him play. If not, trade him as soon as you can because it will give you salary cap relief, which will be important next year. But also you can get more assets for a quality player because you do not want him around if he's still hung up on the pass. But but what are you going to get out of it? You're not going to get a starting corner. It's not going to happen. And think about this. Last year, from what we hear, the the issues with Richard Sherman were at an all-time high, right? Yeah. And you went 10-5-1 and still got to the divisional round of the playoffs. If you take Richard Sherman off that team and there's no dissension, you're not a 10-5-1 team and you're not going to the second round of the playoffs. You're not winning a playoff game. Uh, against the Detroit Lions. That's not happening. So I think even if there is still a little bit of that lingering, you still have to keep him around if your goal is to win. You're not going to be able to get to the level that you want, but you're still a better team, and that three or four million bucks isn't going to mean a whole heck of a lot. You're not going to get anybody to to replace him, and you don't have anything that you can put to replace him outside. I mean, you're in a big-time hole if you trade Richard Sherman because there was nobody to replace him. So... Based on what we were told from Curtis Crabtree, he said the main motivation to trade Sherman was the problems they had with him. Yes. I didn't think it was that, but that's what we were led to believe. So since they're keeping him, he's still a Seahawk. I can assume that they they probably hashed all of that out, right, between coach and player. You would hope so. But what's going to happen next year when you get into a late-game situation where the Seahawks are frustrated, they're losing the game, they're down by 10, 
maybe something bad happens. Maybe they decide to throw the football instead of running it, and there's a pick. And there, there's something else that happens because Richard Sherman is is too hot tempered. Yeah, there's who's to say that that's not going to happen, even if they did hash all that stuff out right now. That's a good point. I just look at the Seahawks, and I don't see a lot of weaknesses. I know they've got every team's got something they would like to improve, and I know the Seahawks aren't exactly thrilled about their offensive line, but with Russell Wilson and that defense, Trav, I just see a team that can go out there and beat anybody anywhere especially when they bring their A game. They're that good. They have two weaknesses, in my opinion. One of them is the obvious one on the offensive line, which they you know, kind of addressed this offseason. They bring in Luke Jokel. They draft Ethan Posich. They brought in a couple of other pieces. But the other one is the depth in the secondary. Yeah. It's not the starters. It's the depth in the secondary. They can't afford to have an injury at corner, uh, whether it's Lane or Sherman. And if you trade Richard Sherman, this is what you got. Parrish Cox, DeAndre Elliott, Shaq Griffin, the rookie out of Central Florida, uh, Demetrius McRae and Nico Thorpe. That's not good. No, you can't it's not. win with that group. No. Now, if you have one of those guys, you know, rotate whatever. It is. You you have one guy that is a a pro bowler and one guy that was not as good as you hoped you would be last year, and then a bunch of guys who who are not starters. So if you trade Richard Sherman, you are going to get burned. Here's the big question I have: Whose team is this now? Is it Sherman's or is it Russell Wilson's? It's Russell Wilson's team. He is the quarterback. He is the leader. He is calm. He commands the respect of his teammates. It's his team. Is it? Is it his team enough to where if something is not right, he can be the voice to set everyone right? Do you think he can be that guy? It, it better be that guy. Okay. If he's not that guy, they're not going to win. I, I want to believe that he is. I just know that there are some strong personalities you know, in that locker room. Yeah, I, I think he is that guy, and he has to be if they want to win. All right, it's time to talk a little NBA. How about a three-time world champ? The one and only A.C. Green, former Laker, former Oregon State Beaver. We'll get his thoughts on these playoffs, and we'll ask him about the Warriors. Do they have a weakness? Can they be taken down? It's 413, the Rip City Drive with Travis and Chad here on your home of the Blazers, Rip City Radio. All right, 420, the Rip City Drive with Travis and Chad here on your home of the Blazers, Rip City Radio. Let's talk some NBA. Our next guest played his high school ball at Benson High. And went on to start Oregon State. He was known as the Iron Man in the NBA. Check this out, Travis. He played in 1,192 straight games. He's also a three-time world uh, NBA champion with the L.A. Lakers. We welcome A.C. Green to the Rip City Drive with Travis and Chad. A.C., what's up, my man? Long time no chat. How are you? How you guys doing there? Oh, very well. It's so great to hear your voice. Thanks, man. Thanks. The show's going awesome. What I've been hearing, man. This is good news. <laughs> Appreciate it, man. Thank you. Thanks, AC. Um, you know, I, so many things to talk with you about. I guess first off, um, you played on a dynasty yourself with the Lakers. You guys won back-to-back championships. When you look at what the Warriors have been able to do over the last three seasons, 65 wins or more, and now they've got a star-packed team with Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green. It, what's it going to take to derail a team like that? What is it going to take to beat a team like that? Yes. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's, that's that's what a lot of teams are trying to figure out right now that's still left in the playoffs. One, you got you know, you, you really have to obviously make them uh, get to their second and third options in their offense. And, and a talented team like that, that really normally is not a problem. But at the same time, uh, most teams in general, they don't want to go to that third option. And even with star players, it's still it, it's still it's a technical thing, but that's how the playoffs really go. You you wind up 
playing one team and you focus on every aspect of their game. Uh, and secondly, you know, you really have to go at the superstars. You can't, you can't bow down when you know you're playing some, you know, very high caliber, great players. You got to go at them. You got to make them play both ends of the court at the same time. You know, you were on some teams with multiple all-stars, multiple hall of famers. When, when you have that much talent and you know, th- th- those kinds of players that at any point can be the guy. How much of a challenge can that be for the rest of the team to accept their role to be role players when they have Kevin Durant and Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Draymond Green and everybody has their job to do? Yeah, you know, it, the, the challenge really isn't so much of um, stepping up and doing your job. It's really making sure you are ready to do your job and not deferring and being another spectator in that 20,000-seat arena. Uh, That's really the biggest problem right now that most uh, teams with superstars really have, you know, because you just give the ball to Kevin and let him do his thing. Give the ball to Clay, let him shoot his thing. Give the ball to Steph and just watch the show. And next thing you know, you're just watching like everybody else as opposed to what is my role in that offense, you still have assignments. You still have responsibilities. And that's really what players, you know, on superstar caliber teams have to always remember because I, I lived through that so many times with Shaq and Kobe uh, playing a certain role with those guys, you know. And obviously with Kareem, Magic, James Worthy, uh, you know, you play those kind of caliber players. Uh, you know, you got to do your job. Nonetheless, it's, uh, everybody has to contribute. We're talking with three-time NBA champion A.C. Green here on the Rip City Drive. I never thought I would see this happen, but last night LeBron James passed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar to move into second all-time scoring list in the playoffs. With LeBron James, when you watch him, who does, who would you compare him to in terms of a superstar that you played with? Um, it, It's so hard. Uh, Kobe, obviously a guy who can do everything. Um, a phenomenal player. All, all my guys, you know, in that superstar echelon were just that. They lived up to it. It was not, it was not hype. They were solid players. Um, but I think a guy who, can ha- who has the ball and get his own shot and get shots for other people, you know, you have Magic, obviously, who was, you know, the ringleader of that. And then you have, obviously, Kobe, who could do the same thing with the ball. Uh, James Worthy could do the same thing with the ball. So I mean, I yeah, I, I was it was great to play with those kind of guys. Um, but watching LeBron, I, I really like watching him because he does uh, enjoy the game, but he also knows how to play the game and incorporate the other guys into it. When you think about the the eras that you played in, when you retired in two thousand one, the NBA was a, a completely different league than it was in 1985 when you came in with the Lakers. Now we look at it, you know, 16 years later, and it's even more of a difference than it was in 2001. How difficult is it from from a guy who was as successful as you are and played with the players that that you did to watch today's stars and and not make comparisons and not think about how things were, were different back then and guys changing teams and all of this different stuff? Well, Guys, it's just life. You know, you don't live life regretting. If you do, you're going to have a very disruptive, you know, unfortunate life if you live with all the regrets that you didn't do or you didn't get a a chance to experience. And so you have to, you know, you have to stay with the times as they change and anticipate the change 
uh, is what the smart people do. And so basketball, yes, as you said, has changed quite a bit. But, you know, so I, I enjoy the game today for the game today. And I, so I don't live in those comparison eras and those comparison years. Even though I broadcast the game, uh, it, it's not one of the things I do because it helps me enjoy the moment and, and the development of, of today's players. Hey, AC, you know, you were known as the Ironman. You played in 1,192 straight games. What are your thoughts on the players today, you know, looking for that opportunity to get rest and save some of their energy for the playoffs? I just answered that question. That's a great question, but that's exactly my point. You know, that that's what they're doing today. And so it is what it is. Okay. You just you just roll with it. You know, I have no problem with it. And, uh, you know, more power to them. AC Green is with us here on the Rip City Drive with Travis and Chad. So I guess when I look at the finals, we, we, we assume it's going to be the Warriors and the Cavaliers. And I, it reminds me of when I started watching the NBA in the 80s with the Lakers and the Celtics. What is it like when you when you know it's probably going to be that matchup? And for you, your, your arch enemy were the Boston Celtics. How intense and what was it like on that level to go up against Larry Bird and that crew when you knew going into the season was probably going to be that team? Well, it just keeps you on your P's and Q's more than anything else. You know, you, you, know you have a, a team on the other side of the water called the Mississippi that is you know, <laughs> playing at a high level. And you, you want to take care of your business, but you do, you always are peeking over the fence next door and keeping up with what they're doing because you know, most likely you're going to have to run into each other again, uh, in their case. And so it, you know, everybody wants to see it, but it's not so much really the fans, even though they are right on point and thinking it will be, you know, the Warriors and the Cavs again. But as players, yeah, you remember and you look and you are, you are watching. Are they gelling? Does someone get hurt? You know, are they winning but barely winning? You know, you sort of keep an eye on, you know, what your competition's doing and not just those that you're in your conference uh, semis with. From a basketball fan perspective and a guy who played the game, just how amazing is what Isaiah Thomas has been able to do in the last couple of weeks going through all the, the, the tragedy that he's had to deal with in his family? No, it's great. I mean, it's great. It's exciting uh, in the sense of, not what he's not what happened to him, but that he's been able to find a, another place which has been able to take him uh, above the adversity and use that adversity uh, for moments of prosperity. And that prosperity is for him is getting out there, getting back with his guys again, and doing what he likes to do. Uh, and at the same time, you know, the family's going through what they are going through. And that, and that's no matter what happens, that that's going to be the case. It's, it's mourning for all of them. Uh, but I'm, I'm happy that he is able to just really tap into, you know, that space that's important to him. And if it comes through uh, basketball, if it comes through just other relationships, uh, whatever it is, he, he's doing a great job. And I'm, I'm really honestly happy to see that. And, and I'm really happy they're actually winning um, because, it would just be even compounded if, if they were going through some really, you know, droughts on the court at, on top of that. We're talking with three-time NBA champ A.C. Green here on the Rip City Drive. I was talking with Brian Grant, former Blazer, the other day, and he told me that Carl Malone... Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. 
Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Phone was the guy that got the best out of him in terms of guys who he competed against. Was there a player for you that, you know, that you always look forward to competing against when you would uh, go up against him in a game? Uh, no, there wasn't. There wasn't um, anyone. I mean, because everybody's tough, you know. And how I looked at it, and how it was for me, uh, my preparation um, was the same for everybody. Because I knew, I knew wh- whoever I was guarding, if it was call, okay, uh, you know, call plays a certain way, and he plays with the ball, he plays in the post. And so he forces you to have to do certain things on the defensive end, especially uh, if it's Michael Jordan, you know, you have to guard him. You know, he's, you know, perimeter. You know, he can do pretty much, as we all know, uh, pretty much anything out there. Uh, but you, you go through those players, you know, obviously um, Larry Bird or someone like that. So every night there was someone different. Dennis Rodman, we know what he did. You know, he didn't score a point, but he had 35,000 rebounds in that game. You know, so it just was a challenge no matter who you were guarding. You just always got to remember that. And, and that's what I tell you in today's players is you got to respect the players. You know, you see, this, this time of year, uh, Blazers fans get disappointed when their team's not still around. And one of the main reasons that they struggled at times this year was defense, something you know a little bit about. When you see teams that, that struggle, and struggle specifically against the pick and roll, and, and have difficulty switching, and all the things the Blazers did, how difficult is it now for if they bring in a big man coach or a new defensive coach to try and get everybody to to be on that page defensively and improve as a group? Um, you know, it depends on how how bad the guys really want it. You know, honestly, you can you can make a mediocre uh, athletic team into a good defensive team if guys buy into it. You know, the coaches are instructing. I mean, most coaches always are instructing the right way, the basic principles. But then you just gotta get the guys just to get on the same page, and that's that's routine and repetition. And uh, once they once they do that, you know it's another story. You you would be amazed at how solid teams can really be. We're talking with the great AC Green. I want to ask you about your uh, youth foundation, and you can check it out online acgreen.com. Uh, I really respect you because you're a man of faith, but also the work you're you're doing in different communities, AC with with kids and kids who are dealing with tough times, underprivileged youth. I mean, what is it that you're you're looking to accomplish with all the different things that you do? Well, I mean, back home, that's where I started my, my basketball camps and my, my life lesson, holistic approach to basketball, where I didn't want to be that guy that had another camp that just, you know, you, you taught a sport in a skill camp. Uh, but you have to be able to also incorporate life lessons inside of it, you know, and so – when you're teaching financial literacy, you're teaching uh, health and wellness, you know, childhood obesity, uh, you're teaching character development inside of your, your course camp, uh, those, are imp- those are the important things, the life lessons in, in life. And so I, that's what I wanted to do, and it's 32 years ago that it started. You know, I started right at Concordia 
when I first had my rookie summer, I came home from that first year with the Lakers, and uh, I I grew up in that area, and so I I wanted to have my first camp there, and so now my camp is at Benson High School. This year will be uh, June 19th through the 23rd uh, over at Benson High School, and as you said, uh, you know, it's a free camp to to any and all the kids. You know, that was the second requirement that I really had was that, you know, I wanted it in a convenient local area, but then second, I don't want the kids to have to pay for it. Uh, and, and so that was one of the important things. And so those that go to acgreen.com, you can find out any information about the camp itself. But, yeah, I, I teach this, that camp in Oregon. I teach another model, same kind of camp. Uh, in Los Angeles, uh, up in the city of Pasadena, uh, Orange County, California, then over in Arizona and Phoenix. Uh, so it's been it's been great, and I've taken it abroad into other countries and done the same type of work as well. You know, AC, you've been doing that for for a long time, and I've been fortunate enough to to work with uh, kids coaching as well. And, and when you see years later the impact that you have on some of these kids' lives, you know, how does that make you feel? Oh, uh, you know, it's great. When when I have a chance to sort of see what happens with um with kids and, and I get they come back and they volunteer at the camp, they come back and they wanna, you know, like just be there, be in that atmosphere again. They come back and actually be a coach. That's it you know, it's it's awesome when you sort of see that. That's it's wonderful. He's a three-time NBA champion. Check out his uh, website, acgreen.com, for the information on the camps at Benson High School. Hey, AC, it's always a pleasure to talk with you, and uh, we really thank you for coming on. What a pleasure. No no problem, guys. I appreciate it. It was fun. There's AC Green right there, three-time NBA champion and an Ironman, 1,192 straight games. Yeah, he's also just an all-around great guy. I don't know what it is about those Benson basketball players that turn out to be great guys, whether it's AC Green or Orlando Williams. Those guys have been great. And a guy that, that uh, you know, he talks the talk, but he walks the walk. Yeah. Legit guy. You know, you think about, I was listening to him talk about the stars that he played with, and he's like, yeah, you know, when I played with Shaq and Kobe and then you know, Kareem and Magic and James Worthy, you think about all the Hall of Famers that that dude played with. And he, he wasn't one of that cream of the crop, like the best five or six players of all time. But even on those teams, he was still an all-star. He was still an all-NBA defensive player. That, man, that that's awesome. When you talk about the Warriors and how they have all that superstar power, but everyone has a role that they have to perform, that was A.C. Green's role in those Laker teams in the 80s. Rebound, defense, and provide toughness. And he was also good at getting out. And, you know, running the floor when they had the uh, Showtime fast break going, he was a unique player. And I appreciate the fact that he was there. You know, just being available, being healthy, being in the lineup, and just being there day after day after day, knowing you can depend on him. What he said about the the players on the Warriors or the Cavaliers, whoever it is, that, that's farther down in the roster, the, the guys that are you know, role players coming off the bench, uh, how important it is for those guys to be ready for the opportunity. You're not being counted on to score 25 points a game, but when you're in there, your teammates have to be able to have confidence in you to dish you the ball, to hit those threes. And we saw plenty of those in the Blazer series, whether it was JaVale McGee on the inside, whatever it was, those players were ready. And and having the confidence of your teammates, that's what makes great teams great. To be able to have role players be in those roles, not expected to do more, 
and then when it matters, have the own their confidence in themselves to hit those shots, not give it up, not to defer. That's what makes a championship team great. It's not just the stars. That's what puts you over the top. Not just the players. I mean, think about it. Pat Riley, Phil Jackson. He had a chance to play for some great coaches, too. Yeah. Wow. Magic. That, that's the guy I would thought of. You know, when you think about Magic and I see LeBron, they're both very large in terms of what they can do. They can both handle the ball, both willing passers. I see some Magic in LeBron when I watch him play. Well, I, I think that the problem is, is that when he came into the league, because he was so dynamic as a, a young player, you think of the greatest of all time, right? Yeah. And, and the first name that pops into everybody's head is Michael Jordan. And the initial thought, the number 23, all that stuff, you want to compare him to Michael Jordan, but he's not. You want to compare him to Magic Johnson, but he's not. There's the hybrid version of Magic and MJ together, and he's he's something like that. LeBron is different than any player that we've ever seen in NBA history. And I, w- I was reading through some Facebook stuff last night, and a friend of mine posted that, you know, LeBron is the greatest of all time, enough with anybody else. And, of course, everybody commented, no, it's MJ, no, it's Kareem, all this different stuff. But they're, they're different. It's, it's hard to compare because LeBron can do some stuff that Michael Jordan did. Michael Jordan did stuff that LeBron will never do. But LeBron can do some stuff that Magic Johnson did and vice versa. What he is is some of the best traits of some of the best players in the history of this league, and that's what makes him so dynamic. But because he has the ability to do different things and defer and has the vision on the floor, people take shots at him by saying, but he's not MJ. Of of course he's not MJ. There's one MJ. You're talking about the best player that has ever played on the history of this planet. But if you talk to people... You know, before us, who grew up in a different generation, they would point to Wilt Chamberlain. Absolutely. And say he was the best ever. He averaged 50-plus points in 27 rebounds in one year. And he didn't even win the MVP that year. I never had the opportunity to see Wilt play. All I know is that I'm glad that I live in the time span that I have because I've had a chance to see Magic, Larry, MJ, LeBron, Kobe, Shaq. I've seen so many great players in the... Short period of time I've been on this earth. I mean, what a great era we've had in the 80s, the 90s, and look at the players today. It's awesome. I never got to see MJ play in person. It's my biggest regret as a basketball fan. Never got to see him play in person. I saw him once in 97 at the Moda Center against the Blazers, and he had 20 points in the fourth quarter. The Bulls came from behind to beat uh, Portland that year. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who's your guy? Like, everybody has that one guy that's their favorite player ever. Who, who is Larry your Bird. guy? It is Larry Bird. Okay. Yeah, I love Larry. He is... I, I still watch him on YouTube. I'll go back and watch old games. I, I'm fascinated by his vision, his passing, his shooting. I thought he was the best shooter of all time until Steph Curry a couple of years ago. And I was like, okay, Steph's probably a better pure shooter. But Larry Bird, that's the guy. And then after that, it's Kobe. Larry Bird, Kobe, 1-2. And I love MJ. I, I watched him. And I enjoyed Phil Jackson. So I watched all those teams too. Yeah. With, with the NBA, I love the Blazers. But before I came out here to Portland... I just grew up watching. I had players I liked, and I yeah. watched them. I enjoyed Isaiah Thomas, so I'd watch some of the bad boy oh, teams. I couldn't stand Isaiah Thomas. Dominique Wilkins I enjoyed watching. I mean, all these guys. I like Carl Malone. So you had all these different players, and the league's always marketed their guys like that, which is star power. Yeah, I'm a couple of years younger than you, so the, the players that I grew, started watching when I was 10, 11, 12 years old, Ewing's my guy. Patrick Ewing will always be my guy. But I was a, I was a big Chris Webber fan when I was young. Loved Chris Webber. Loved the Fab Five. Um, but I mean Ewing, Ewing that that was my guy. 
All right. The odds are out, Trav. We got the degenerate dime of the day coming up next. But before that, I've got the odds on who's the most likely offensive rookie of the year in the NFL. I'm going to get your thoughts and ask you who you would put your money on. You cool with that? Sounds good to me. It's 441, the Rip City Drive with Travis and Chad on your home of the Blazers, Rip City Radio. The Rip City Drive with Travis and Chad. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. Travis and Chad on Rip City Radio. All right, 447, Rip City Drive with Travis and Chad. We've got the degenerate dime of the day coming up in just a few minutes. We'll be joined by Chuck Wepner. The real-life inspiration for the Rocky movies coming up at 5. <laughs> you are very excited about this one. I am. I, uh, you know, I've thought about this a lot. I have a lot of movies I like, like I'm sure you do. Oh, yeah. But at the end of the day, nothing has touched me like the Rocky movies have. And so to be able to talk to the real-life inspiration for it, and Sylvester Stallone has acknowledged that he is the guy, it's like, yeah. So now we're going to talk to Wepner. I have talked to Frank Stallone before I've interviewed yes! him. Dude, that's fantastic. Frank Stallone was awesome. Now I just need Sylvester, and then I'll have the uh, the trifecta. What's your favorite Rocky? <sighs> right now, probably two. But yeah. it switches. It goes back and forth. It was four. Yeah. Then it was the original. Now it's two. It's been Rocky three before, and, and Creed might creep in there. That's a yeah. great movie. Four is my favorite. It was the first one that I saw when I was young, and then I ended up watching the rest of them after that. Uh, so Chuck Wepner, the real-life inspiration for Rocky coming up at 5. Now, Travis, let's get back to the NFL here. Yeah. I know that you you like a good beat once in a while. So I've got the uh, odds fresh off the uh, table from Oddshark. Oddshark. And this is for odds for the uh, most likely offensive NFL rookie this year. So I'm going to give you the numbers, and then you can tell me what you think the best value is yeah. of the group. How does that sound? Perfect. And Because I know some of the rookies that you like, but I want to see what you think about these odds. Okay, the top two on the list right now, 2017 NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year odds. Leonard Fournette from Jacksonville at plus 350. Christian McCaffrey, Carolina at plus 500. And then you've got Deshaun Watson uh, from Houston at plus 600. So what do you think about those top three right there? Out of the top three, I would would put Deshaun Watson number one. And he might not be the best rookie, but you talk about the opportunity that he's going to have, right? And you talk about the playmakers that he has. DeAndre Hopkins, you talk about Fuller, you talk about that. That offense is fantastic. But you like the entire team around him. Like, you think that's a great spot for him to be in. I do. And if that team goes 12-4 and and he throws for 2,800 yards... 19 touchdowns, 11 picks, and then maybe he rushes for two or three touchdowns. That's that's a good year. I heard something today, John McClain from Houston, who's been covering the NFL for a long time. He said today, when I heard him speaking about the quarterback situation, he doesn't think uh, Deshaun Watson's going to start day one. What are your thoughts on that? That surprised me. It's surprising to me, too. Again, if he does not beat out Tom Savage... Or Brandon Whedon, yeah. he does not belong in that jersey. Is that like Nurkic not being able to beat out Myers when he came over? That's exactly <laughs> what it is. You don't belong in the NFL if you can't beat out Tom Savage and Brandon Whedon if you're a first-round pick. All right, let me give you the other two in the top five, and then you can make your selection. So you've got Leonard Fournette at plus 350, Christian McCaffrey plus 500, Deshaun Watson plus 600. Number four is Corey Davis from Tennessee, yeah. the wide receiver. We heard for Brad Evans. Expects him to have a big year, plus 800. And then right behind him, same odds, Dalvin Cook from Minnesota, plus 
plus 800. Look, that offensive line is really, really good. I think Dalvin Cook can come in and have a very, very big year. But if you're looking for a sleeper, it's O.J. Howard because you've got a lot of playmakers in that offense. You're going to have a lot of defensive pressure taken off of O.J. Howard. It's going to be on Mike Evans. It's going to be on Doug Martin. It's going to be on various places in that offense. They have a ton of weapons. And I can see a situation where you've got your tight end, who is a great pass-catching tight end, with Jameis Winston, who can air it out, having a year where he's got – 84 catches and nine touchdowns, something big like that. That might be the one surprise. In that spot, that is the perfect fit for him. All right, how tasty is this? O.J. Howard plus 1,600. How about that value? Oh, I put 100 bucks down on that. Boom. Love that. That is a great value from him. What about Joe Mixon from Cincy plus 1,200? He won't win the award. He won't won't win the award. (laughs) Yeah, he, no. It could be a million to one. I might put a buck down on it. Patrick Mahomes, plus 2,000. He's not he probably play. won't play, right? He won't play, no. All right. You're tempting me now. O.J. Howard, plus 1,600 from Tampa because he won't be the focal point. No, he won't be the focal point. If you're looking for something maybe you know, a little bit later on, second round, Dalvin Cook, I think would be a, a, definitely a good spot because I think he's going to get some opportunities uh, to to get a lot of carries with a great offensive line. I think he's going to be solid there too. All right, time now for the degenerate dime of the day. We've all thrown down a couple of bucks on a game, right? Uh, you know, win some, lose some. But Travis and Chad take it a step further. They got a Hawaii game. I don't know if been on the Hawaii game. It's time for the Degenerate Dime of the Day on the Rip City Drive. Brought to you by DPI Solar. Imagine if you never had to pay an electricity bill again. Visit dpisolar.com. Hey, Chad, you got a win yesterday. I'm back, baby. He did it. Large and in charge. Good job, Chad. You took the Spurs minus the five and a half. Yes. I had the Edmonton Oilers in the money line. They scored with a minute and a half to go to tie it in regulation. Then 45 seconds into overtime, the Ducks scored to win the game 4-3 in in overtime, and I lost. Yeah, that was for you talking junk to me after I got punked by the Celtics in overtime the other night. You got the same thing that happened to you. Yep. Karma. Uh, And listener Steve last night took the Dodgers. They lost in, what was it, 11 innings? 4-1 4-1 to the Giants. Uh, I'm the only winner. You were. So you are 1-2 and two on the week with Steve. I am 2-1. and one. I'm 20-12-1 overall. You're 15-17-1. The listeners are 11-22. What do you got tonight? I'm taking the Wizards minus 5 bounce back game at home. Game 3 over the Celtics. Uh, listener Steve took the Rockies over the Padres. That was a game that started earlier today. Uh, 3-2 Rockies heading to the bottom of the 11th inning. There's not much tonight. There is one baseball game that hasn't started. The Mariners and the Angels in both NBA games. I'm going to take the over 217.5 in the Celtics-Wizards. Okay, that works. We're both on the same game. Yep. We can both win and be happy. Yes, we can. (laughs) 125-119 Wizards. I'll take that. All right, coming up next, he is the inspiration for some of the best movies of all time, the Rocky movies. I'm talking about the one and only Chuck Wepner. He is up next on the Rip City Drive with Travis and Chad. 454 on your home of the Blazers, Rip City Radio. It's time time for the Rip City Drive. The Rip City Drive with Travis Demers and Chan Dewing on your home of the Blazers, Rip City Radio. 
Oh, yeah, it's 5.01. Good afternoon, my friends. The Rip City Drive with Travis and Chad. Hey, Trav, you know what time it is? Cash time. That's right. We're giving you, the sixth man, a chance to win $1,000. Text BILLS, B-I-L-L-S, right now to 200-200. That's BILLS, B-I-L-L-S, to 200-200 for your chance to win $1,000. You'll get a confirmation text. Standard message and data rates apply that's Bills, B-I-L-L-S, to 200-200. Our next guest has fought George Foreman, Sonny Liston, and went 15 rounds with Muhammad Ali. He is the man who inspired one of the best movie franchises of all time, Rocky. The new movie about his life, Chuck, opens in theaters tomorrow from Bayonne, New Jersey. Our pleasure to welcome Chuck Wepner to the Rip City Drive with Travis and Chad. Hey, Chuck, good afternoon. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Travis. I'm not sure which one you are. You must be Travis. The other guy's... Well, I tell you what, Chuck, oh, Chuck, you can call us whatever you want. Now, I, I, I'm your story is amazing, and and so is how you got your start in boxing. It all began in in Bayonne, New Jersey, at a go-go bar called Rendezvous. Tell us about the work you did for Tony Maida. Uh, I was a I was a bodyguard for Maida once in a while, and then I worked the door for him. And I used to collect the money. It was five bucks a head to get in for anybody except the good-looking women. Tony used to signal from the bar whether to let them in for nothing or charge them five bucks. So <laughs> most, of the girls, most of the girls were pretty foxy in those days, and uh, we didn't do too well at the door, you know. But I, I had a couple of fights, and uh, after about two months, I said, you know what, I don't think I want to do this anymore. And I started training. I went into the Golden Gloves. I wound up winning the New York and the East Coast Nationals in 65. So, Chuck, tell us about uh, this guy named Mousy. Uh, now he you know, d- helped develop a tough guy reputation on the streets of Bayonne. Well, you know, um, my mother and, and I and my brother moved from New York. When my, she split up with my father. So we lived with my grandmother. She was a superintendent of the building. And uh, I used to have to walk to the PAL, and this guy, Mousy, Mousy at base, as a matter of fact, uh, used to chase me. I mean, he was uh, 10 years older than me. So I finally moved up to the project when I was 13, and he had a, a group of guys. He called them his uh, squad. And uh, I had a fight with him one day in the, in the basketball court, and I beat him up. And then I had a fight. His his boss, he said, a guy named Freddie Linquist, who you know we became great friends later on in life. Anyway, I beat both of them in one day. And uh, that was how it was up there. You had a fight. I had probably, in the four years I lived up there, because I lived there when I was 17 and I joined the Marine Corps, um, I probably had about 10 or 12 fights, and uh, I won them all. I, uh, <laughs> I was pretty good in the street. I had a good headlock, and uh, I was strong. <laughs> I was a tall, skinny kid. I was lanky, but I, uh, I came out of the Corps. I gained 19 pounds, and uh, that's when I started boxing. I got a little bigger. I was up around uh, 198, and uh, that's that's how I ran through the, the guy gauntlet up there. Mouthy Bate and Fred Linkwitz in one day. We're talking with Chuck Wepner, the inspiration for the movie Rocky. Hey, Chuck, when you were in the Marines, you were part of the boxing team. Yeah, what was your main desire or reason for joining the boxing team at that time? What were you trying to accomplish? No, I wasn't part of the boxing team. I had a couple of smokers. That's what they called them then because everybody was smoking in the audience in those days. You could sit there and smoke while I was fighting and inhaling all this crap. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we, we just like one platoon uh, against another platoon. And it was great because my uh, 
my step sergeant was the referee, and I had a famous where I was getting close, grabbed the guy in a headlock and uppercut him about four or five times. And uh, I had uh, three fights there. I won all three of them. Plus, uh, off base in the bars, I had a couple. So it was uh, in those days, and I'm talking about 60 years ago. This was uh, 1956. So uh, the Marines were a lot different uh, than today. They're still a great, great organization, but um, there's not as much, uh, not as much roughhousing going on as there used to be. You know, Chuck, I want to go back to 1969. You fought George Foreman, and he had a pretty good shot against you in the third round. What, what was it like to to fight George Foreman back then, and what was he like back then? Well, George was, uh, of course, he was much younger. He was going through everybody in his division, and uh, we took the fight because we thought, you know, we could maybe wear him out a little bit and beat him. But George threw a left hook in the third round. Near the end of the third round, and I almost slipped it. That was one of my problems. I almost slipped a lot of punches, but fortunately I could take them. Anyway, he caught me on the left eyebrow, and uh, he hit me so hard. Even though, I'll tell you the truth, I didn't feel it because I was so geared up. But he cut me open, and the eyeball came from the inside out, and that makes a jagged cut. And even though my uh, manager, Al Braverman, was a great cut man, he said, Chuck, I can't do anything with this, and they stopped the fight at the end of the third round. Hey, Chuck, you also went 10 rounds with Sonny Liston, and you gave him a good go. What was it about Liston that led you to say he was the toughest guy you ever fought? Well, he was the biggest puncher I ever fought. You know, he was, uh, I went 10 rounds with him, and uh, actually at the end of the ninth round, Barney Felix, the referee, was going to stop. And I said, Barney, let me, let me finish the fight one more round. And he's all right, Chuck, how many fingers do I have up? And I said, how many guesses do I get? <laughs> you know, I, I couldn't see. You know, my, my was, it was all blurry and everything. But I wanted to finish the fight, so I came out for the 10th round. And the doctor actually stopped the fight with a minute and 23 to go in the 10th round. Big, big puncher, Sonny. Listen, biggest puncher I ever fought, and I fought a lot of them. Hey, Chuck, did you really get tossed out of a ring by an actual grizzly bear? you got to tell this story. Well, I got tossed out of the ring by a couple. I got tossed out of the ring by Andre the Giant. And I got tossed out of the ring by Victor the Bear, an eight-and-a-half-foot, 1,250-pound Kodiak. Um, that, that was the second time I fought him. The first time, uh, the third round, the end of the third round, I waved my hand and waved it off because he was laying on top of me. But the, the second time I fought him, I fought him twice. He actually picked me up and threw me out of the ring, and I landed on a dinner table. Everything went splat all over, and my friends grabbed me and picked me up and said, come on, go back and get him, champ. And he was standing right there by the ring apron, this uh, Kodiak there. The referee was counting. He was up to four. I said, fuck, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You win, Victor. And that was it. Uh, they stopped the fight, and I was counted out because uh, – I tell you, I knew the band knew me from the first fight, and they didn't like me, so I didn't want to really go too far in the second time. You know, the, the story behind this fight in 1975 against uh, Muhammad Ali is incredible. George Foreman was number one. You were guaranteed a shot against him if you beat a guy from Salt Lake City named Terrible Hinky, was it? What what happened against Hinky, and, and what happened there? Well, you know, we had taken Don King and our, uh, as our promoter, and George Foreman was the heavyweight champion of the world. And I was supposed to get a shot against Foreman for the title if I could beat this guy, Hickey. He was 34-2 and two or 3 with 31 knockout, big puncher. They called him the Stormin' Mormon. He was from Salt Lake City, Utah. And I went up to, to Utah to his home, home ground, 
and I fought the guy because Don King said the winner was going to get a shot against uh, George Foreman. Anyway, I had him down seven times, and I knocked him out in the 11th round, and uh, now I earned a shot. So three weeks later, Ali fights Foreman in Zaire, and lo and behold, Ali knocks out Foreman. And I said to Don King, I do believe that I blew my shot at the title because the wrong guy won. And he said to me, you didn't blow nothing, Chuck. I'm going to get you a fight, and you're going to be fighting Muhammad Ali. Three months and a day later, it broke in the New York news and all the papers all over the country that Ali had decided to defend against me. And you actually found out from your mom she called you during an episode okay. of Kojak? That's right. I was watching Kojak, and I never, ever used to talk to anybody if they called during Kojak. Because <laughs> I love Kelly Savali. He's a friend of mine. It was a great show. The phone rang, and I said, I'm not answering that. It's the middle of the show. But some said to me, you know what, Chuck? That's an important call. Answer. I ran to the desk in the other room. I picked up the phone with my mother. I said, Mom, I told you never to call me during Kojak. And she said to me, don't be a wise ass. She said, get the news. There's a thing on the back of the back paper that says, Ollie will defend against Chuck Webb. And that's how I found out about it. My mother called me. That's incredible. You know, you, you, you think about that fight with Ali. You, you weren't taking any chances, right? You gave up the booze. You gave up the girls. All those good times. So what what was your thought process there and, and, and all the training that went into it? Well, actually, when I got in the ring, I was pissed off at Ali because I couldn't do any of that stuff. I spent seven, seven weeks up in camp actually training with good spar, but that was the only time I trained full-time for a fight in, uh, in my whole career. I got to go away to camp, get in the right kind of shape, and uh, as Howard Cassell said, I stunned the world. You know, I went 15 rounds where a lot of the guys were saying I wouldn't go more than four or five. Now, you got to tell us about this story. I, I heard that uh, before the all-e fight, you bought your wife at the time. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I'm a negligee and you told her, honey, put this on because tonight you're going to be in bed with the heavyweight champion of the world. What'd she say after the fight when you lost? I come in the room. She looks at me. She says, am I going to Ali's room? Is he coming to mine? <laughs> but, you know, she had a real good sense of humor, but... Uh, you know, that, that's so funny because uh, that thing has reverberated around the world for over 40 years. Everybody that talks about the Ali fight brings that up, and uh, it's, uh, it's a good story, and it's true. It's a true story. Now, Chuck, this movie has been in the works for quite some time. Uh, what are your thoughts on the movie, and what are you hoping that people take from the story? Well, first of all, the thoughts on the movie is I think it's a great movie. Yeah, it took... Uh, it took almost 11 years to make. Uh, Mike Tolan, the head producer, and I uh, wanted the right script. Uh, 
and the right actor, and the, we couldn't put it together, the right script and the right actor. I turned out every actor that came along because I didn't think he could do the job. But when they mentioned Liev Schreiber, I said, oh, you've got to be, that is the guy, that's the guy we want. And you know what? It turned out to be great. Liev was great in the part. And uh, I'm thrilled to death about the the performance that he gave. And I guarantee anybody that goes to see this movie, and we haven't got one bad review in the last three months. It's just uh, everybody that saw it loves the movie, and uh, I'm sure it's going to be a great, great night. We were both fired up to see this movie. We we both love the Rocky franchise, but and and I don't doubt this is a great movie. But anytime you see these these biopics, that there's always somebody who says, "Well, that didn't happen quite like that." How much of this is is pretty true to form? I'd say probably ninety percent. Wow! Wow! It's, it's uh, they they got it. They hit it right on the head. And when they gave Lee of the script. Uh, him and I got together, and he got the right voice inflections and makeup. He used to spend two and a half hours a day in the chair, uh, getting to look more and more like me when I was fighting. Uh, it looked like I got hit in the face with a bat about 20 times. But uh, they got it down straight. You know, I had a broken nose, and I had some swelling. But, you know, after years and years, that's all gone. But Liev did me proud in this movie, and I... I, I love watching it. I watched it three times already, and I enjoy it more each time. We're talking to the one and only Chuck Wepner here on the Rip City Drive with Travis and Chad. I have another question for you, Chuck. And in regards yeah. to Sylvester Stallone, uh, how's your relationship with him today? And what are your thoughts on what he was able to do with your story uh, on the big screen? Uh, I love Sylvester Stallone. I've always loved him. You know, we had a little problem. Uh, we straightened it out between us. He did. He did a lot of great things for me. You know, he, he made me rocky. And uh, he helped us on this picture. I tell you, he let us use his studios in Bulgaria to film the Muhammad Ali fight because to do it here in this country would have cost you a great deal of money. We went there for a fraction of that cost, and uh, he's been nothing but, but super to me. And uh, I love the guy. I've always loved him. You know, people thought that we had that dispute over money and everything going to court, but, you know, it was settled amicably, and uh, everything is fine. Uh, the movie Chuck will open tomorrow. It features Chuck Wepner, the inspiration for the movie Rocky. Hey, Chuck, I, I just want to let you know that it's so awesome to be able to talk to you because there's been no other movie franchise or sports story that's ever touched my life like your story. And I just want to let you know that talking to you has been an absolute thrill. Uh, thank you so much, guys. Thanks for having me on. Sometimes we need a second look to get it right. The previous play is on the further review. And sometimes we still get it wrong. After further review, the ruling on the field stands. It's time to get under the hood and take a closer view of the biggest stories of the day. All the, all the players are doing now is they're just falling down to get a call. And it's, it's, it's a disgrace to the game of basketball. It's time for The Further Review, presented by Canby Ford on Rip City Radio. Put flags on everybody. That's it. No more tackling. Five twenty-four on the Rip City Drive. Welcome back in on a Thursday afternoon. It is time for the further review. If you missed our conversation with Chuck Wepner, he is the inspiration for the movie Rocky and the movie about his life. Chuck, 
is coming out tomorrow. If you missed that conversation, you can find it at RipCityRadio.com. It was fantastic, and I am very much looking forward to this movie. Now, before we begin, can I ask you a simple question? Yes, you can. Is the world coming to an end? Say what? Is the world coming to an end? Not to my knowledge. I could use a few a few more EAS tests warning us about <laughs> the weather before this day's yeah, over. Uh, we can't see outside right now because the, the blinds are drawn. Because in the morning, where I'm sitting right now is where Dan Sheldon sits. And the morning sun, when there is some, it is blinding. So they shut that uh, in the, the hallway. So we can't see outside right now. But it's a beautiful day. What's going on? I love the computerized voice. You are going to experience hail and thunderstorms. You will most likely die. Do not step outside of your house. <laughs> Sorry, but we just interrupted the Chuck Wepner interview. The inspiration for Rocky. It's a good thing that uh, we were just about done with that. By the way, how about him, him dropping an S-bomb? He pulled a Rick Barry. Hey, when you're an old red ass like that, that's the great part. When I get to that age where I can wear whatever I want and say whatever I want and not even care what anyone thinks, that's when you know you made it. Aren't you already at that age? No. I worry about what I say and what people think too much, but when I'm Chuck Wepner, I don't give a flying rip. Like uh, Clint Eastwood in Grand Torino with maybe oh. less racism? I love Clint. He's fantastic. <laughs> hey, if you are a fan of that interview and you want to see this movie, right now we're going to take callers 3 and 4, 503-248-0620. You're going to win a pair of tickets to see the pre-screening of Chuck Tuesday, May 9th, at Regal Pioneer Place, the movie yeah. begins at 7.30. You and a guest will be on the guest list, and you will get in callers 3 and 4 right now. 503-248-0620. I'll be right back. I need to make a phone call, Trav. I'm sure we have some extras for you, dude. I'm sure you can, I'm sure you can get in. Chuck, baby! Yes. All right. On to the meet. Oh, wait. You know what? I forgot to turn the uh I had you turn off. the ringer on for Chuck. What's up, Chuck? He uh, was so good. It's like, that just makes the Rocky movies that much better when you actually talk to the the living inspiration behind the movies. It's like, I have seen the top of the mountain, and it is good. It's Chuck Wepner. Pimp. <laughs> and by the way, apparently our mics were still hot when the I know. I have, well, that's started. the problem with the EAS test. I was ready to jump in, and after Chuck was done to talk, and all of a sudden I got blasted with the EAS, so our mics were still on. But fortunately, we didn't say anything inappropriate. We were just like... Now, That's real nice. You never cuss, ever. I never hear you cuss. Me, on the other hand, that's that's another story. So I'm glad that I kept it clean for those 30 seconds. I think the only thing that could pull a swear word out of me would be a snake or Myers Leonard. That's about it. I mean, if I had to choose, those would be the two at the top of my list. <laughs> All right. You know what got a lot of people to cuss in Houston was this. Batum throws to Lillard. A three for the game. You've got to pinch me. I must be dreaming. <laughs> now, we've had reason to play that twice in the same week. It was the three-year anniversary a couple of days ago. The reason why we played it today, Damian Lillard in a conversation on Twitter with a bunch of people and someone suggesting he needs to go elsewhere to win a championship, he tweeted, and I quote, at 1032 this morning, I am willing to not win it. If I can't build it where I am, end quote. So he's saying, I am a trailblazer. I will always be a trailblazer. And I would rather not win a championship in Portland than win somewhere else. 
First things first, the guy that suggested he needed to leave Portland, I informed that guy he needs to put an egg in his shoe and beat it. That's number one. Number two, if you're a Blazer fan, just look at Damian Lillard for a second. Great leader. He's a great player. He embraces his teammates. He's willing to share the spotlight with CJ and whoever else has got the hot hand. He's been a constant in the locker room all year. And he talked the talk and walked the walk after the All-Star break. This is everything you want in a superstar. And on top of that, he wants to win a championship here. He wants to do the anti-LeBron, the anti-Kevin Durant. He doesn't want to form a superpower. He's willing to go without a title to win one here. As a Blazer fan, you got to love hearing that. But, Travis, a question I have for you. I mean, do you buy that 100%? How do you read that? What do you think when you see the, those words from Dame? Look, you have to take everything with a grain of salt. Yeah. Okay. How many players and coaches over the years have said, I am going to stay here. I'm not going anywhere, whether it's Nick Saban or LeBron James, whoever it is, there have been a million guys who have said, I am not going anywhere. I mean, there have been, you know, Bobby Petrino interviewed for the Auburn job when he was at Louisville and said, I didn't interview for that job, but, but you were there. And then he ended up signing a contract and leaving anyway a year later. So, We've heard that stuff all the time, so you got to take it with a grain of salt. Not that Damien's going to do that. We don't know how things are going to be three or four years from now. That's true. If this team is awful and the contract situation on this roster is much worse than it is now or it's bad or whatever, he might change his mind. And I think that only happens if he doesn't feel that the organization is putting is doing their best to bring Damien and this city a championship. Right now, he feels supported by his coach, by his general manager, and certainly by his owner. And he feels like they are doing the best they can to surround him with the support staff that he and C.J. McCollum and Yusuf Nurkic need to be able to trend in the direction to win a championship. So as long as he's happy here, I believe that. I don't know if he's always going to be happy, but right now I absolutely do believe that. The other reason why I think those words are critical, in a small market like Oklahoma City, like Portland and elsewhere, The way you win a championship is by striking it rich in the draft and then keeping that core together. The Blazers had that with Roy, Oden, and Aldridge, and injuries derailed that situation. And they've got it now with Dame and CJ, two great pieces. Those guys need to be here and commit to Portland if this team is going to get over the hump at some point because it's always going to be easier for the big markets like Boston, L.A., Golden State to attract the big-name free agents. So I love hearing that from... The cornerstone of the franchise and Damian Lillard. That's exactly what you want your star to say. He has endeared himself to Portland fans in every possible way. You can make the argument that C.J. McCollum is the best player on this team. I don't really care. It doesn't matter who the best player on this team is. You've got two, three great players right now. What matters is they all want to be here. They want to be here together. They respect each other. They play well together. They want to be here, and that's as important as anything else. And the last thing I would add to this, how often do you see a superstar make comments like that that we see from Damian Lillard about, I'm willing to not have a title if I can't win it here in Portland? Nobody says that. He is a unique cat. Certainly is. All right, last night the San Antonio Spurs evened up their series with the Rockets at a game apiece, beating Houston 121-96. Kawhi Leonard had 34. The bigger story, though, Tony Parker done for the rest of the playoffs with a torn tendon in his left quad. Following the game, Greg Popovich asked how the Parker injury would impact the Spurs lineup. 
Pop, I know this is premature, but if Tony Parker is out for a significant amount of time. I have no idea. But how much, if that did happen? We just finished the game. We'll find out about Tony. We haven't gotten together to talk about who's going to play instead. You know, I have no idea. Does it matter at this point? Well, I think the key here is from a basketball standpoint, it just means Patty Mills is going to get a lot more playing time and they'll use Manu to back him up. But the thing I thought of last night when I saw that was, number one, Tony Parker, if this is a career-ending injury, and his, you know, he may be done now, and if he does come back, he's a shell of his former self. If it's career-ending, the Spurs will not be able to get salary cap relief for the injury for one year from the injury date. So what that means is the second-best team in the Western Conference is going to come back with an aging roster and only one real superstar in Kawhi Leonard. LaMarcus Aldridge has two years left on that contract that he signed with the Spurs. He is not performing. He's hurting that team. I see a big picture now where you have, take Golden State out of it. They're in a different category. You've got San Antonio that won't be the same next year. The Rockets have everyone returning. You you would expect them to be a contender. The door is wide open for the Blazers with Nurkic for a full 82 games. And if Olshay can just make one move, get a wing or a power forward, the Blazers have a legitimate chance to move into the top four in the West, avoid a team like the Warriors in the first round, get home court, and then all of a sudden you're talking about a deep run into the playoffs. And that's something we can all get behind. Yeah, we certainly can, Chad. And again, like you said, the Warriors are the only team in the West that's not going anywhere. Yeah. San Antonio's roster next year, whether Tony Parker plays or not, is not good. LaMarcus Aldridge, Kawhi Leonard, Pau Gasol, Tony Parker, all on the hook. Seventy-plus million dollars for... Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Those four players, and you can argue that Parker is never going to play again and that Gasol is well past his prime and that Aldridge just is not a $21 million player. After that, Danny Green at $10 million, Dwayne Dedman, David Lee, Kyle Anderson, DeJunte Murray, David Bertans, and Brian Forbes. That's your roster for the San Antonio Spurs. That is not a championship roster. The Rockets have a better roster next year. And you can argue if the Blazers make one good move, shed some salary, and bring in that player like you talked about, that they will have a better roster. Yes, that's why the time is now. Getting past the Warriors is one thing, and that's something that's going to have to come at a later date. But next year with Nurkic and that's the beauty of getting that guy when they got him for nothing from Denver is now you can make a run in the playoffs and put yourself in contention Portland can make a move next year and the Spurs look they're a great franchise but they made a bad move on Aldridge and it's costing them last night or rather uh, today Pete Carroll on 710 ESPN in Seattle was asked if there is a chance the Seahawks might trade Richard Sherman 
I think it's as good as it's ever been. We've spent uh, really significant time working through the stuff that we wanted to talk about from last year. He was open and willing to talk about it. We also, there was conversation about, you know, that we were, as everybody in our, on our team is available to somebody who wants to come get them. And, and if they want to trade for them, and we don't want to trade guys, we, we want to keep our guys. But we have to, in, in, in uh, effort to try to always work to be better and help our team. we got to listen and all that. So we went through that process. The likelihood is like 0%, it seems like. You know, teams don't want to give up stuff. They don't want to trade at times like this. And, and it's really hard to, to, to navigate through a trade with, a, with experienced players during draft time. It just doesn't happen very often. Chad, I gave my opinion earlier. I think it's a very bad idea to trade Richard Sherman. What's your thought? Well, if they want to move him, I'm okay with it. But here's the key to that. Pete Carroll talked about the conversations that he's had with Richard Sherman during the offseason so far. As long as they were able to put all the problems on the table and deal with the issues, the frustration that still exists from that Super Bowl loss to the Patriots when they didn't give the ball to Marshawn Lynch. From everything we've gathered from the people close to the Seahawks, the reason why they were considering trading him in the first place was because of the attitude problem, the division in the locker room, and the frustration that he showed last year on the sideline. And it all stems from that loss to the Patriots. If they dealt with that where they can move forward, they're a better team with him today on the uh, field and you said it best yesterday they're one of the top four teams in the nfc you want him back but he's got to buy in and he's got to let bygones be bygones last year it was an issue and it clearly caused problems in seattle they were still 10-5-1 and won a playoff game and that was when it was at its worst if you take him off that roster it's not addition by subtraction you have a bad cornerback spot with jeremy lane being your best one you're in trouble, and you don't get to that point. I'd like to think it's better. I'd like to think he's grown up and they've worked out all their problems. Doesn't mean it's not going to come back and, and rear its head at some point this year. But you're still better with him, and you don't get enough salary cap this relief this year when you've already got your roster built. I guess my big question would be this. They've got some strong personalities on that roster. Whose team is this right now, do you think? It's Russell Wilson's team. I don't think there's a question. I think it's Russell Wilson's team. Okay, if that's true... And he can be the guy, if there is problems at some point during the season, to silence that and to deal with it and move forward and really establish himself as the guy, the leader, more so than Bennett, more so than Sherman or anybody else, then that's going to put the Seahawks in a good spot. Because you're right, Russell Wilson being healthy, playing at a high level, and being the leader is going to really be good for this franchise moving forward. Earlier today, the Ironman A.C. Green, three-time NBA champ, former Oregon State Beaver, from Benson High School, joined us today. He was asked about how NBA stars of today changing teams compared to his thoughts about his day. Guys, it's just life. You know, you don't live life regretting. If you do, you're going to have a very disruptive, you know, unfortunate life if you live with all the regrets that you didn't do or you didn't get a, a chance to experience. And so you have to, you know, you have to stay with the times as they change and anticipate the change of what the smart people do. And so basketball, yes, as you said, has changed quite a bit. But, you know, so I, I enjoy the game today for the game today. And I, so I don't live in those comparison eras and those comparison years. Even though I broadcast the game, uh, it, it's not one of the things I do because it helps me enjoy the moment and, and the development of, the, of today's players. I love the way that he put that, Chad. You can't get caught up in it. This is what it is. And it's not changing. It's probably going to get worse. It's been this way for almost a decade now. So enjoy the NBA today for what it is today. And I also think 
you can apply it to bigger life issues as well. You know what? What happens in the past is the past. Things change. You have to adapt and you got to move on. You can't be looking over your shoulder towards the past all the time. You got to look forward and what's ahead of you. All right. Coming up next, the LeVar Ball shoe situation is absolutely ridiculous. Not as ridiculous as Lonzo Ball, though. Yeah. Yeah. It's bad. I just want him to go away. I want him to shut up. I want him to go away. But the problem is, it's not going to happen anytime soon, especially if his son turns out to be a big-time yeah. baller in the league. Well, it's LeVar who's the one who won't shut his damn mouth. <sighs> also, Jay Cutler does not have a job in the NFL. But is he going to have a job in broadcasting? We'll get to that <laughs> next as well. You've got the Rift City Drive with Travis and Chad in your home of the Blazers. Rift City Radio. The Rip City Drive with Travis and Chad. All right, pace yourself because you're going to have to do this all day for very little money. Now, back to the show with Travis and Chad on Rip City Radio. Chad, are you much of a shoe guy? I am. I'll spend a good chunk of dough on a good pair of shoes. What do you consider a good pair of shoes? Do you have something that you like in particular? What is it for you? My favorite brand that I wear the most uh, most of the time, Echo. Echo brand shoes are great. And for a good pair of Echos, you're going to pay somewhere probably close to 200 bucks, But they're going to last me a long time. So for shoes, for me, I'd rather spend more money and get better value from something that's going to last me a long time. And so I have several pairs of shoes. And I rotate them based on what I want to wear day to day. And so that's how I roll. I love Jordan 1s. I've got a bunch of different pairs of them. I'm wearing them today. The low-top Jordan 1s, those are my favorite. Now, fortunately, I've got, you know, we're in Oregon. Everybody's got a connection to Nike, so I get them for like 55 bucks or whatever it is. So that that works for me. Would you ever spend $450, yes or no, on a pair of sneakers? No, I don't even wear sneakers. Definitely not $495 sneakers. What about $220 on a pair of, like, athletic sandals? Probably not. Probably not. The ones I got, I got Jordans. They were like 15 bucks at the Nike employee store. Well, big baller brand Lonzo Ball and his first signature shoe, the ZO2 Prime, comes in at $450. It's not a bad-looking shoe. It's not for me. It's not a bad-looking shoe, though, but 450 bucks. That's a lot of money for a pair of shoes. Now, when I was a younger boy, and I know you were in the same boat, there were some great shoes. The Jordans, the Reebok pumps after D. Brown won the dunk contest. I begged my mom. I begged my dad. And they just looked at me and said, no way. My dad's like, you crazy? Are you crazy, fool? You drag your heels. You tear up your shoes. I'm not spending that type of money on a pair of shoes. And my mom's solution was to go out and buy a, fa- a pair of fake Jordans with a fake swoosh. And I'm like, mom, I will get beat up at school if I wear these. She's like, well, they look the same. Zips. Gosh. So, no, it was just a no-go. I had no chance when I was younger. 1992, I was in sixth grade. I asked my parents for Reebok pumps. They said, nope, not happening. My buddy Josh had a pair. They were, like, white with, like, a maroon pump and then, like, some teal in it. He outgrew them, so he gave them to me. So those that's how I got my old beat-up pair of Reebok pumps, but I loved them. So now you look at what... Lonzo Ball's shoe, his big baller brand, 450 bucks. Shaq tweeted, hey, at LeVar Big Baller, real big baller brands don't overcharge overcharge kids for shoes. 
$450 for a dude who has never played in an NBA game, whose dad is trying to turn him into this, you know, this marketable international superstar when he hasn't even played a game yet. Settle down. And the best part was the Schmendrick, LeVar Ball, his response to the people criticizing him for the cost, big ballers loose. If you can't afford the ZO2s, you're not a big baller. That is insane. That is that is ridiculous because who does this appeal to? Who's going to be most interested in this shoe? Kids. Kids. 13-year-old kids, for whatever. Kids are going to be interested in this. And you, you think about a kid asking his mom for a $120 pair of shoes, and she says, Forget that. No, we're we're gonna go to you know the discount shoe store and, and we'll get you something. Yeah, pro there. wings. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Four hundred and fifty bucks. This is about <laughs> somebody's ego trying to make himself more important because he hasn't accomplished a damn thing, and now he's gonna get kids to try and overspend. I promise you, there are gonna be some kids that can't afford this. They're gonna go try and shoplift, end up getting arrested. Whatever. This is there. There is nothing good that comes out of. Selling a shoe for $450. Are you trying to get rich? You know, my dad always said it's a lot easier to get a dollar from a thousand people than it is to get a thousand dollars from one people, from one people, from one person. Come on, dude. The last thing I'm ever going to do in my life is support LeVar Ball. I would rather wear those hideous Clyde Drexler Avias or maybe the Shaquille O'Neal LA Gear shoes before I'd buy a pair of the uh, big baller brand. I wouldn't even wear a free pair. I could have had Michael Jordan and Larry Bird skills as a youngster. If I would have asked my dad for a pair of $495 shoes, he would have grounded me and said, no, you don't even ask such questions. Go to your room. He would have laughed at me. Like, he would have laughed. He would be like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? He would have went Brian Wheeler on me. <laughs> $495. Oh, man. I mean, look. it's And are you kidding me? Exactly. They do have this uh, 800 I think it's around $900 if you want to get a special autograph pair by Alonzo Ball that comes in a box with special lighting on it. You know, you spend about a grand, you can get yourself an autograph pair. This is a guy that hasn't done jack in the NBA yet. I, I officially do not like Alonzo Ball. Not that I liked him to begin with, but it's unfortunate because it's his father more than it is him. Yeah, it's not Lonzo I've got a problem with. It's his dad. Yeah, has Lonzo said anything? No, it's all his dimwit father. <laughs> like, they're going to be guys in the league next year. They're going to take it out on Lonzo oh, just yeah, because of the are. dad. I can't wait to see Draymond Green against him wherever they end up. And not only that, but if you're a team and you're considering drafting Lonzo, you have to consider the LeVar Ball effect and what you're going to have to deal with in terms of the media attention and all the ridiculous comments this guy's make. Because... It's never his son's fault. He's going to blame the coach and everything else. It's a train wreck. It's like, you're a dad. Go stand off in the background and let your son be him. In in two ways of looking at it, he's 19 years old. Let your kid be a grown-up. And if you're Lonzo Ball, you're 19 years old. Tell your father to shut his mouth. <laughs> he's ruining your image. You're not doing it. Your father is ruining your dang image. You can be a good dad and be supportive of your son, and you can cheer for him and get excited and all of that. You can help him out, you know, when it comes to business. But you got to stand off a little bit and allow him to be him because now he's going to be overshadowed by his dad, and I just think that's unfortunate. I, I, I'm just glad that my dad has been the way that he is. He always, he always stands off. He's there if I need him. 
but he's never going to stand up and try and take credit for anything, ever. He doesn't want that attention at all. No, absolutely not. And that's why, you know, I think our fathers have a lot in common, Chad. What are your favorite shoes, by the way? My, my Jordan ones. They're, uh, they're How much do those cost? Uh, like I said, I mean, I, I got them at the Nike employee store for like 60 bucks. That's very reasonable. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's why I got like three or four pairs of them in different colors. What does a brand new pair of Jordans cost? I don't even know. I haven't bought a brand new. Is it 200? Re- no, no. I mean, like some, some of them are probably close to that. Uh, you know, the, the, some of the, the other Jordans. But the, the ones I get, maybe 100 bucks. I don't know. I haven't bought a, a full-price pair in years. Pro Wings, like yeah. two pairs are like 10 bucks. Thanks, Mom. Quickly, uh, ESPN's Jeff Dickerson reporting that uh, Jay Cutler auditioned with Fox. And there's one other that says he interviewed and auditioned for an undisclosed TV network. He's trying to follow Tony Romo because he can't get a job. It's pretty amazing. When Blaine Gabbert gets a gig and you don't and your name's Jay Cutler, you probably start looking at the broadcast booth. If you missed our conversations with AC Green, with Chuck Wepner, with Brad the Goat Evans, you can find him at ripcityradio.com or you can also find our podcast and on the iHeartRadio app. And on iTunes as well. Chad, it's been fun, my friend. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you to Chuck Wepner, the inspiration for Rocky. That was awesome. Shaq, as always, great job on the other side of the glass. Thank you so much. We will see you tomorrow, 3 o'clock, for the Rip City Drive on Rip City Radio. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com.